Welcome to the Whole House Podcast, where you can find home, health, and family all in one place. Our team is comprised of moms from different upbringings and backgrounds. We each have different giftings and passions representing individual rooms, and together we are the Whole House. So grab a cup of coffee and join us for the Whole House Podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Positive Adoption, part of my room in the Whole House. I started a series on attachment before Thanksgiving, and then we took a week to talk about thriving through the holiday season. So we're back to attachment, and as I promised, we're going to talk about the attachment styles in children. And if you missed it, you can go back and listen to the one on the basics of attachment so you can have an understanding. And I'll review a little bit before I get started because the attachment cycle is pretty simple. It's, you know, when an infant is born, they express a need, the parent meets the need, and that cycle is completed over and over and over and over again. And every mother knows that when that baby comes home with you from the hospital, you're trying to figure out what sort of cry the child is making. Are they crying because they're wet? Are they crying because they're hungry? Do they just want to be held? And so we begin to meet those needs. And at the same time we're meeting the needs, we are regulating for the child. When it's cold, we wrap them in a blanket. When they're hungry, we feed them. When they need a diaper change, we change their diaper. And that's all part of attachment parenting. And it's pretty simple when it works the right way. But what happens is when these kiddos come home to us through adoption or foster care and they've already had trauma and they have had breaks in that attachment cycle. For instance, let's say that there's an infant whose needs are met one day, like he's crying and mom picks him up or grandma picks him up and and feeds the infant. And then the next time the infant is crying, no one picks them up. No one feeds them, no one changes their diaper, and then the next day their needs are met again. And so these are called breaks in attachment. And so what happens is the development is slowed down. Those breaks in attachment cause the development to be slowed down in the brain and the body. And I already went over all the five B's in another series, so you can go back and listen to those, the five B's affected by trauma. So let's go back to attachment. And just as a a reminder, if you want the graphic about the attachment cycle, it's on the wholehouse.org in the printable resource section. And you can print that, and that's a good conversation starter when you're trying to explain it to someone. It's not necessarily something you want to print off and, and frame in your dining room or your living room. But, you know, if you're t- maybe if you're talking to some of the people who work with your kids at school or at church or your family, and you're trying to explain what a break in attachment looks like or what the attachment cycle looks like and what you're trying to do with this kiddo. Because I've said this before, when we first adopted, we really purposed that we would stay home for a long season of time, that I put off a lot of commitments I was involved in so that I could stay home and begin to mend those breaks in attachment by going back 
and attaching with these kiddos and helping them where their needs had not been met. And that that's super, super important because we can get into the thinking that somebody else can meet their needs, which is true. Somebody else can, and eventually they're going to have other people in their lives that are in relationship with them that are going to meet some of those needs. But at first, we need to be the primary person that these kiddos attach to. And because later, as, as foster parents know, that uh, attachment is transferable. So once you have a good attachment with your kiddo and they have to, they either go back home to their bio parents or they go on to another placement or a more permanent home, then that attachment is transferable, which is great. I mean, that is great news. That is awesome news. So any work that you're doing with your kiddo, if you're fostering, it is, it's not for nothing. It's not. Okay, so I'm going to talk about secure attachment today. And so secure attachment is the attachment that we all want to have. That's what we're all striving for. Sorry, I had to take a sip of my coffee. I've got a little bit of a cold, like I think everybody has right now. Um, anyway, secure attachment is what we're out, we are all striving for. If we had trauma in our childhood, we may have another attachment style other than secure because of our nurture or the lack thereof, I could say. So what is really good news is I'll give the definition of secure attachment in a second for children. But what is really good news, if you're listening and you're an adult and you're like, man, I had a really crappy childhood, I'm in big trouble, and I'm trying to raise children, you can earn secure attachment. That doesn't mean that you take money and put it in the bank and you earn it that way. That means that you begin to work on your past and you make peace with your past and you move, you are able to move on to a more secure attachment by changing the way that you respond to things and that you're not responding based on your past anymore, but that you're responding based on your decision and the healing that you've had. And I have earned secure attachment because when I was growing up, the first five or six years of my life were very, they were, it was very chaotic. And I definitely had disorganized attachment at that, that time. But now I have earned secure. So I just wanted to throw that little bit out there. So now there are four attachment styles for children and there are four attachment styles for adults. And they're pretty much the same thing, little teeny tiny differences, but enough to note. So we are talking about children's right now. And um, secure is the child feels confident that the attachment figure will be available to meet their needs. They use the attachment figure as a safe base to explore the environment and seek the attachment figure in times of distress. So that's super important. And I've talked to lots of moms who, let's say you have an infant and you go to church and you're trying to put the child, the infant in the nursery, maybe they're nine months old, you know, I don't want to even put months on there. 
But anyway, um, the infant begins to cry because they do not want to be separated from you. And a lot of mothers I've talked to think that is a bad thing. That is not a bad thing. That's a sign that that infant is attached to you. They feel safe with you. And some of the ladies I talked to at my church when I was explaining this to them, and these are ladies that are in leadership in the children's department, they were saying that, well, okay, then my kid's not attached because they'll go with anybody at church. But you have to remember there are exceptions because there are people that you are around all the time. Let's say your parents live with you and your child is with the parents all the time. Then, of course, they're not going to cry. Or maybe your parents watch your child while you work. Then they're not going to cry. The, the, the truth is, if your child returns to you whenever they're distressed, then that's one of the signs that they are securely attached to you. They feel comfortable. They know you're going to comfort them. You're going to meet their needs. And Mary Ainsworth did a study, and this is all in my book, How to Have Peace When Your Kids Are in Chaos. Um, She did a study about, she called it the Strange Situation Assessment, in which a researcher observes a child's reactions when a mother briefly leaves her child in the room with a stranger. Ainsworth created this assessment in 1969 to study attachment. During the 20-minute study, a parent would bring their 12- to 24-month-old infant into a neutrally colored room. In the room were some toys to play with and a stranger, which is the researcher, The assessment included eight stages, each lasting about three minutes. After about a minute, the stranger leaves and the eight stages begin. Mother and baby are alone, and then the stranger joins the mother and the child, then mother leaves the room, then mother returns, the stranger leaves the room, mother leaves the room, and the infant is alone, the stranger re-enters the room, and mother returns and the stranger leaves. So during all of those stages, the researchers were observing the child and the reaction to mom leaving, to mom coming back, to the stranger coming, to the stranger leaving, to see which children were securely attached. So that that's, it was a really interesting study. So the secure attachment, these these infants showed distress when their mother left the room. They also avoided the stranger unless their mother was present. They were happy to see their mother after separation and allowed her to comfort them. Now I'll go over more of the reactions of these kids dependent on their attachment style in the podcast to come because I'm going to cover all four of the attachment styles in this series. So um, Ainsworth, at the end of her research, Ainsworth noted that 70% of the infants she studied were securely attached. So that's, that's a really high number. But here's the other thing. We have to remember that 80% of kids that come to us through foster care or adoption have disorganized attachment, 
which is another one of the ones that we're going to cover. So don't just assume that when a child comes into your home that they have secure attachment. Usually they have the attachment style of whatever placement they were in before them. And a lot of times that's why it's disorganized. If they're coming from a situation where there was abuse, where there was alcohol, where there was drugs, then they're more likely to have disorganized attachment, which I'll talk more about disorganized attachment on that, on that particular episode. So before I run out of time, the last thing I want to go over, and it's definitely in more depth in the book, but prerequisites for secure attachment. According to Bobley, who we call the father of attachment, humans are biologically predisposed to want care. However, in order for this to work, we need a secure attachment system, including a safe haven, a secure base, proximity maintenance, and separation distress. So here are the prerequisites for secure attachment. Number one, trust. So a child must be able to trust his or her her caregivers. Number two, the ability to give care. A child must be able to recognize when another needs care. Number three, the ability to be comfortable with an autonomous self. Mothers of secure infants provide a secure base from which infants can explore. And four, the ability to negotiate. The child feels secure knowing that he's not attacked or resented every time his wishes are different than others. So, like I said, this is in more depth in how to have peace when your kids are in chaos. And I just wanted to give you an overview of secure attachment. There's definitely more to it. But I think keeping that in mind for not only our kiddos, but for ourselves is really a healthy way to approach things instead of an us-against-them mentality or they're just doing that to make me mad. When we consider the science behind it, that each one of us have an attachment style and these attachment styles are moldable. They can be changed. There is hope for healing. I I used to think for myself that I was always going to view the world through the lens of rejection. And of course, because I'm a human being, I will look through that lens once in a while. But now I see things differently. So we can have that same hope of secure attachment for our kiddos that have had trauma. So thanks for joining me today on Positive Adoption. And I will see you next week. Bye. We're so glad you could join us on the Whole House Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. Follow us on our Facebook page and on Instagram at the underscore whole underscore house. You can also follow us on thewholehouse.org by email to receive our newsletter and keep up to date on things happening at the Whole House.